G'day. Thanks for helping me have a boys' look this morning and not check the other bag. Yeah, David Warney's baggy green in just a moment. But first of all, I want to get something off my chest. I'm going to go rogue here. The boys don't know I'm doing this, but when I woke up this morning and read this, I went, oh, you guys are absolutely kidding. Can we just stop using the Gabba as a political football and get in and bloody rebuild the thing? I mean, when we read the news this morning about the man who wants to be Premier, David Crisofulli, saying that it looks like the state government is about to walk away from its controversial rebuild of the Gabba. Give me a spell, you blokes. Come on. Controversial, yes. Reneeded, yes. David Crisofulli wouldn't go into details, but he dropped this in his press conference yesterday that the new Miles government had been briefing stakeholders on the games that they were planning on walking away from the $2.7 billion rebuild, the knockdown and rebuild. He said he looked forward to the Premier's response, wouldn't go into details, but just said the drums had been beating loud, very, very loud. Hopefully we do get a response from the Premier today. Yesterday we got Grace Grace, who's the State Development and Infrastructure Minister. So that's her remit, basically rebuilding the Gabba. She said, we've already announced a review of the game's infrastructure. We'll have more to say on this in the near future. I'm not going to preempt outcomes. This review hasn't even started. Look, this is your money, your money that they are going to spend to do whatever they need to do at the Gabba. It needs to be knocked down. It needs to be rebuilt. Stephen Miles has been in the job for a month as a Premier. And the terms of reference for this review into what is going to go on there hasn't even started. Mate, one of the reasons you're in this job is because of Palaszczuk's disapproval rating, which came on the back of not taking you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you in the car here. They haven't taken you on this journey about what they plan to do with the games and what they plan to do with the Gabba. They haven't sold it to you. That's one of the big reasons why Anastasia Palaszczuk's disapproval rating was going south. On the back of Olympic mayhem, on the back of telling cricket and AFL that they're going to have to pay for being booted out of their home, on the back of not taking you on that journey. And to win the public back, to win you back, Surely that's got to be on one of the top three things on Stephen Miles' list. He's been in the job for a month. I know there was Christmas, I know there was holidays, and I know there has been a lot of natural disasters going on. But again, he tells one department, get this done. This is your top priority, state infrastructure. Announcing a review? Come on, champ, that ain't it. Actually getting in and doing it and getting it sorted. Rebuilding the gabberies, not a reno a rebuild. Because those who use the Gabba, those who are actually underneath the seats you sit on, the bars you buy the drinks at, the, the, the outlets you buy the pies at, those who use the Gabba, the teams, the broadcasters, the hospitality, the ground staff, those who are trying to keep the electrics and the Wi-Fi going, they know that the Gabba is not fit for purpose. It was back in the 90s when it was built and designed but not in 2024, not in 2023, not in 2019. It needs to be knocked down and rebuilt. Think about this. The Gabba was designed and redeveloped before Wi-Fi was invented. Let that sink in. I know it's a lot of money to be spent on it, but it needs to be spent. It needs to be sorted as well, because otherwise we're going to be hearing about this for the next 10 months before the next election. Uh, 13, 13, 55. There we go. I've got it off my chest. Whew, exhale. 13, 13, 55. The Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line. It is there for you. You can text 0467 736 736. Uh, outside of venting about the Gabba, I do want to get your New Year's resolutions today for your footy team. Here we go. Back on page, Ben. Back on. Back on. Ah, back on script. Uh, I've got an Odyssey golf pack up for grabs today for the best caller of the day too. On any topic, it could be the Gabber, it could be your footy team. New Year's resolutions or maybe revolutions. Look, either way, what would it be for your footy team? If you had one wish for the Titans, for the Broncos, for the Dolphins, for the Cowboys, yeah, we're going to deal exclusively with Queensland teams here. What would it be? What would that one wish be? For me, I reckon it has to be centre of attention. The centres at the Broncos, at the Dolphins, and at the Titans. Yeah. AJ Brimson is going into the Titans centre pairing. We know that Herbie Farmworth is going to be on the peninsula, and Selwyn Cobbo is going to get first dibs on Herbie's old spot at the Broncos. That needs to gel. But what else would you like to see your footy teams 
do for the new year, your New Year's resolution. Scott Sattler coming up after half past seven. He's man and been there and done it before. He's cracked the code of winning a premiership. He knows all about it. Uh, 13 13 55 is a Suncorp home resilience open line. We've already got someone on the line. Peter, very good morning to you. How's your honger at this time good of day? Good morning. Good morning. On the way to work at the moment, but you've got my blood boiling. <laughs> I agree with everything you usually say, but the Gabba cannot be knocked down because we haven't got the infrastructure to carry the traffic with the lanes that will be closed around there. Any morning, any afternoon, it's a gridlock around there. Yeah. Pete, can I'm, you imagine, I'm hearing you. Yeah. Can you imagine knocking the Gabba down, what it's going to be like? It should be a Cusack. Full stop. Pete? So that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, and, and Pete, I love that opinion and everyone's entitled to one and I'd love to get yours yeah. too. Do you agree with Peter? Uh, is it going to be mayhem with the traffic? And Pete, all I'm going to say to you on that is it is going to be mayhem whether they do a reno or whether they rebuild it. It's going to be a nightmare. But I'm going to put to you, it's going to be less of a nightmare if they knock the whole thing down, have a flat site and they can build from within. Otherwise, if you're adding to something that's already hanging over Volta Street, hanging over Stanley Street, picture it. You're driving down Volta Street. You're driving down Stanley Street. The Gabba hangs out over it, over Stanley Street. That is going to be more of a nightmare adding to that piece of a jigsaw puzzle that's already there. If you knock the whole thing down, you've got a flat site, a, a brownfield site, if you like, to get there and rebuild from within and build out. That's my take on it. Pete's got his. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Sorry to get the blood boiling this early in the morning, but after reading David Christofulli's comments from his media conference yesterday, my blood was boiling as well. This has gone on long enough. We thought a change of Premier was going to change things, but it's just the same old story of kicking the can down the road, doing nothing, playing the blame game, Oh, we're looking into it. We're going to do a review. Looking into it. God, it's a mirror, isn't it? Uh, look, we'll get back on track as well. But again, this is a topic of conversation because it is your money that's being spent. I want your New Year's resolutions for your footy teams. I'll be catching up with Mitch Swepson from the Heat as well. well. What about the Heat? They have lost one game all year. They are hosting a home final. They finished in top spot, yet no one gives them a chance. Why is that? Did, did you watch Big Bash last night? Did you watch the end of that? If you stuck around on Channel 7, you would have heard Matthew Wade give his thoughts on who's going to go forward and take out the Big Bash title this year. He said, oh, two of the big guns, I would have thought. The Scorchers and Sixers. Sorry, what? Not a mention, a breath of the heat, the the team that's lost just one game all season, the team that's finished top of the ladder, the team that's got, what, three bowlers in the top ten wicket takers. I'd be gladly taking Mitch Swepson's advice on this. We'll be chatting to him before 9 o'clock this morning. Wow, that's got to add his motivation, doesn't it? Uh, 13, 13, 55, the Suncorp Home Open, the Suncorp <laughs> Home Resilience Open line. See, that's how fired up I am this morning. I can't even get my words out. Steve, help me here. Good morning to you. Yeah, Benny, I'm with you, champion. But these clowns are going on about, and no disrespect to the bloke before, if you're going to go forward, you need to fix the road, you need to do everything, and you can't move the Gabba outwards. History shows any time they build a ground outside of anywhere, no one ever goes to it again. It'll be a white elephant. Mm. The Gabba needed in 2020, when they had the grand final there, they said they needed to do it up again so they could keep up with Optus Stadium in Perth and Adelaide Oval because that's why we lost the cricket. So why are we even talking about it? Fix it. So if you went to Melbourne, you do the Melbourne MCG tour. You go to Sydney, the SCG tour. You go to Perth, you do the tour. No one comes to Brisbane to go do the Gabba tour. Yeah. Well, Get a chance. What are you, like what, one of the ones in the... Yeah, what so, are you touring? What are you touring? What are you looking around? I mean, you can go to the Queensland Cricketers Club, walk through there and yeah. have a look around, and there you go. There's the Gabba. There's what's there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you go to the Long Room. You go to all those great tours. Mm. Down Adelaide Over, you do a tour of the old ground. You see everything. It's fantastic. Build it like that sci-fi stadium. Spend a heap of money. Make it something the world wants to come and see. What? Why are we? Why are we even talking about this? Pull yeah, it down. Get, you can't. Yeah. Even, you can't get an ambulance into it. <laughs>
Steve, there you go. Mate, we are ticking off points right here. And those who use the Gabba, and I appreciate your call, you are the clubhouse leader at the moment. It's not just because you're agreeing with me either. I want to hear differing opinions on this. There's an Odyssey Golf Pack uh, up for grabs today for the call of the day. Steve out at Manly West, as I said, is the clubhouse leader. Uh, but if you've got an opinion on this, and I, I, I know we all do because it's our money. Your money, my money, taxpayers' money that's going to be spent on this. Uh, we need to also clarify one thing. The number that's being thrown out of $2.7 billion, which is a hell of a lot of money, but $2.7 billion isn't just for the Gabba Stadium, as in for the 55, 50,000, whatever seats we're going to see there. It's for the entire precinct. It's linking the Cross River Rail Station or the rail station at the Gabba across Main Street, walking into the Gabba, where there's going to be high-rises, there's going to be restaurants, there's going to be bars, there's going to be retail, there's going to be uh, accommodation, uh, residential, commercial, the stadium, and then go past it where the school sits at the moment. It's a precinct. It's urban renewal, whatever you want to call it, which is why the feds, why Canberra don't want to put any money into it, going, hang on, we're, we're building Olympic infrastructure or are we building... Places for people to live and work in Brisbane. That's not our remit. Steve, thank you for your call. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Stack of interviews coming up today, which is great because we are talking to Queenslanders, as I said, Mitch Swempson, which is uh, going to be great to get his take uh, on the heat and their final coming up. Scott Sattler after 7.30 to talk some footy. Uh, But also, I'm really looking forward to this one. Dane Sweeney. Stop, think about it for a second. Dane Sweeney, that's right. He caught the nation's attention on the weekend, Sunday, when the Australian Open started. I'm talking about the 22-year-old from the Sunshine Coast who has just made his Australian Open debut and took the first set. In In fact, he pushed the world number 22 to five sets. $120,000 just for making the first round of the Australian Open. It's a hell of a lot of money for you and I. Imagine what it's going to be and do for this kid and taking his career forward. We'll find out exactly what he went through to get there, what and where that money is going to go to and how it could propel his career. Uh, I know Brett Phillips yesterday has got a big rap on him too and we cannot wait to see his trajectory. Uh, 13 13 55, the Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line is there for you or you can send a text, a few of them coming through as well, 0467 736 736. This is Summer Breakfast. Ben Davis in the chair for Pat and Heels who will be back on Monday. All thanks to MFP Easy, voted Queensland's best fibreglass pool builder. Pool, wouldn't that be nice now? Mm. Cool. 91 degrees. Uh, 91 degrees. It feels like 91 <laughs> degrees. 91% humidity. 1,000 degrees outside. No, it's actually 23, but it feels like, well, you don't want to know what it feels like. Uh, MFP Pools, emfpeasy.com.au, where reputation talks. Speaking of reputation talking, it's a very good morning to Vanessa. Good Vanessa, morning. Hello. What's making How news? What's making news I, I like today? your Brisbane heat shirt, by the way. Well, thank you. I thought nice I'd go... teal today. Exactly. Yeah. I thought I'd go retro <laughs> and support the boys because they're not getting too much support from anyone outside of Brisbane. Everyone's writing no. them. I even heard Copes and Jalissa before I came on yeah. this morning. Oh, yeah, the Sixers, this would be great. The Sixers and whoever wins out of the Sixers in Perth, <laughs> they could host the final. Like, hang on. Hang on, hello. hello. There is a team in Teal that has just wiped everyone. Absolutely. What more could they do to possibly be on the radar, you know, mm. having won all but one game this season? I mean. Yeah, see, they're saying, oh, but it's not at the Gabba. It's <sighs> a Carrara. Yeah. Will that make a difference? Don't worry. It's something anyway. I'll be putting to sweep over before 9 o'clock this morning. Absolutely. Now, look, in other news today, the RACQ is actually calling on the government to bring in mandatory drug testing for all drivers who are involved in traffic crashes. In Queensland, at the moment, uh, breath testing is mandatory at crashes and incidents, but the drug testing is actually a lot more costly. So generally they don't do it unless they suspect drugs might be involved. Mm. Uh, But they're saying, you know, very concerning stats show that actually uh, one in five deaths on our roads are involving a drug driver. And so they're saying we really need to bring in this mandatory testing um, to really cut 
those rates. Ness, I had. I just thought they would have done it anyway. Yeah. I thought yeah, alcohol and drugs, they tested in your system. So yeah. I'm surprised to learn that they don't That's do it. Right. It's not mandatory. It's not actually mandatory. There's so, a no-brainer Yeah, for you. we will watch that space. Now, if you are heading over to Gari, formerly known as Fraser Island, uh, for the end of the school holidays, be aware of dingoes. As always, yeah. there's been another attack, the third one in three weeks, and there's um, been six incidents actually involving dingoes since the 10th of December. So the latest was a man yesterday who was at the, Hook Point Barge area. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, another issue that just pops up quite regularly, doesn't it, for us here in the southeast? And you, when you said three and three weeks, I actually thought it was three and three days, but mm. that's just how common it seems to be happening over over this holiday period. Yeah, so obviously Rangers keeping an eye on that situation as well. And look, you know, it's nice to give to charity and we always want to know, obviously, that our money is going to a reputable charity mm. and we've got the list out today, which has ranked uh, the um, the charity benchmark forty. It's called so it's kind of who are the most esteemed charities that Australians uh, do hold in that high esteem. Topping the list, the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Nice that is followed by Guide Dogs, the Fred Hollows Foundation, St John National Ambulance, and Surf Life Saving Australia. So. Yeah, some really great charities there that are doing great work in our community and a real mix as well. Exactly, and mm. I hope everyone is given to at least one of those charities along the way. Vanessa, um, I'm looking at the time now. It's creeping up to 20 minutes past six this Tuesday morning, so I'm going to give you some homework or something to think about. I'm going okay. to plan to see for the next time that we have a chat. <laughs> yes. Have you ever had uh, what is commonly, to, and I'm sure you would have used this term, a mm. boy's look? At something. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, but I live with a husband and a son yeah. and they regularly have boys' looks. All right. Yeah. Um, the biggest the... boys look fail. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm looking for today yep. from you, from the crew in here. I'm talking about the hyphenator who's pushing the buttons. I'm talking Jack I. Barrack <laughs> for Fulham. Uh, and, of course, you, 13 13 55 0467 736 736. On the back of David Warner and his teammates and his family and pretty much everyone else involved with Australian Creek while the sounds were just mm. had a boys look for his baggy green and it was there the whole time. If yep. you've got one to top that and what lengths did you go to to try and get whatever it was you were looking for? Well, actually, what did it cost you? Oh, yeah. Why did it cost you? Yep. Changing, yeah, it might be the keys, house keys, having to change locks or do you just get another key card? Oh, you can't get another key card because you've lost the keys, right? Yeah, that's true. When, <laughs> Very yep, expensive. And then, and then you find them you right know, in front of you in the, the whole pocket. time. I know, mm-hmm. I know. 13 13 55, the Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line, 0467 736 736. Uh, ben Davis with you all this week for Summer Breakfast, 21 minutes past six. Let's cross now to... I'm going to say the hardest working bloke in Australia right now. Australian Open is on. He needs 25 hours in a day, eight days a week. Uh, SEN's tennis expert, Brett Phillips. Brett, very good morning to you. Jordan Thompson said this Australian Open is the wokest tournament ever. What? What's he on about? (laughs) Well, yeah, it's caught him and a few others, uh, Ben, by uh, surprise. People who, uh, good morning, uh, people who know the etiquette of uh, tennis is that um, all the traditions of tennis in terms of when crowds can come in and out of the stadium, it's always at the uneven games, at the sit-downs, right? So there's that yeah. uh, opportunity to get people in. Uh, the Australian Open has said, no, we're going to just allow you know people uh, back in the gates uh, as soon as a game is finished. They could be two all in the uh, first set and we'll let some patrons in. That's funny because I was sitting on Rod Laver Arena watching Demon all last night. I actually, I hadn't caught up on Tomo's comments, but had noticed this. And I thought one of the things that probably annoys me at the tennis is, um, you know, the ushers, they're, they're there, but they actually don't do anything to control crowds. And then some people think the tennis players are a little precious with all this movement going on. Some are in the zone and don't even notice it. Others, it's a huge distraction. But uh, Tomo's complaint was, well, the players haven't been told about this. But it is tennis also evolving, uh, Ben. You know, yeah. I went to the next gen. I went to the next gen ATP finals, the first one in Milan back in 2017-18. So they were trying all these different new innovations that might come into the main game. Some have already transitioned in. But at that particular event, it was basically free movement right around the stadium. You could come in and out. You could walk, um, you know, in and around. Uh, not, not so much at the lower total lower bowl, uh, but upper deck where you're sort of out of um, uh, eyesight. Yeah. You could 
um, just freely move. And, you know, tennis was trying to get a little bit more funky like that rather than everyone have to sit still. You know, tennis is a long uh, event to sit through, particularly a five-set match. So, yeah, Australian Open is always the probably the slam that's pushing the boundaries and, you know, the happy slam crowds are enjoying it. You know, let them move around, let them come in. Because sometimes you are standing outside for... Uh, if a game's going juice advantage, juice advantage, you're standing at there 15 minutes yeah. if you've gone out to get a refreshment and a bite to eat a hot dog and you can't get back in. So that's the whole aim, but it's caught some of the players off guard who who uh, are, you know, are trying to focus on winning a tennis match and they've got all this movement going on in the crowd. Yeah, well, they have to keep up with the Joneses, don't they? I mean, we know the golf and the party holes, they're breaking new ground there, even though it's been around for a while. So tennis is just trying to do the same. And it's mm. funny, Jordan Thompson, those comments, you'd kind of think that would come from someone who lost but he was one of he, he was a winner on a good day for Aussies yesterday. Well, it was you know that was the one guarantee from that match we were going to have an Aussie <laughs> exactly. winner, and yeah, it was it was like it was like a match that moved in slow motion. To be honest, it was quite tedious at times, but um, yeah, I mean the two Aussies trying to just you know outfox each other, and look, it, it continues a great start to the year for Jordan. You know, semi final uh, Brisbane, then obviously winning a couple of rounds and. You know, that little quad issue uh, in Adelaide, and we thought, okay, how's he going to come up? But, and he was pushed to the limits. But if there's one man who can play through the pain barrier and just uh, you know, just keep himself together, it's Jordan Thompson. So today he sits at a career-high 42 in the world, and you, know, you win another round. He's got Stefanos Tsitsipas next. Now, I was in Indian Wells last year on centre court when he beat Tsitsipas. So he's got that fresh in his mind. And he knows, uh, you know, despite Sitsi Pass winning yesterday, he did drop a set and his back's been a bit of an issue. He has he has that confidence. So I, I can beat some of these, you know, high caliber players. He's just come off beating Nadal. He's beaten Andy Murray before. So, you know, across the journey, he's 29 now. He's been around a while. Uh, but maybe his best tennis is uh, is yet to come. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great win uh, against Vukic. All right, we'll be cheering him on. But also Alex Popper, Alexi Popperin, Popperin, sorry. I mean, he's got probably, what, the toughest assignment in tennis right now? Yeah, yeah it's a nightmare at the Australian Open. Well, I mean, really, to play Djokovic anywhere uh, at the moment while he's um, still the king is, uh, is, yeah, absolutely the toughest assignment. Um, but look, he was really good against Mark Polman's yesterday. Expected to win that one in straight sets, pushed to a second set tiebreak. But yeah, Popper and um, hopefully we'll just go in with a, a really positive mindset, back his game in and, and challenge Novak. I mean, don't just sit back and let Novak dictate the terms. Go at him. You know, take him on and and you've got to take some you know calculated risks. And you know, if he's firepower, if he's serve. Um, to hold up at that end and, you know, get to a tie-break. And saying that, I mean, Djokovic has got one of the best tie-break records uh, in tennis. But if you can just stick with him, the openings might be able to come to rattle the cage a little bit. Uh, I spoke just before uh, the news about Alex Dimonor. We know that he made it through against uh, Milos Reinic after uh, Milos had to uh, Mm. pull stumps midway through the third. Storm Hunter was a winner yesterday as well. What about Aussies in action today, Brett? What do we look forward to on Tuesday at the Oz Open? So a few of them out early. Uh, Olivia Gadecki, the Gold Coaster. Um, yeah, what an opportunity. Play, uh, play Sloane Stephens, former <laughs> US Open champion, is not quite the player she was. So it's a little opportunity on John Kane Arena. Uh, Thanasi Kokonakis, our first look at him. He's got an Austrian unseated player, Sebastian Offner. Huge opportunity for Kokonakis to win a match. Isla Tomjanovic, who we obviously hardly saw play last year, Started to find a little bit of form at the United Cup. Uh, takes on Petra Martic. That is uh, very winnable. Uh, Max Purcell has got a young Hungarian. Very winnable match uh, first up. And yeah, Kim Birrell has got another uh, Gold Coaster, of course, has got Yelena Ostapenko, fresh off uh, winning Adelaide. And, you know, Kim's, look, this is a huge year, you know, for her to really get inside the top 100 and actually stay there. So you've got to win these Grand Slam matches. And the other one, that people might know a lot about is a young boy from Sydney, James McKay. So he got the wild card in. He's only 20. Um, he's got the big swimmer shoulders. He's uh, played a little bit of rugby league growing up. I think uh, Sonny Bill Williams was at his training Ooh. practice session the other day. Um, he takes on Alex Mickelson, who's a really exciting young American following in the footsteps of Ben Shelton and what he's done in the last 12 months. So, yeah, hopefully a few more Aussies to um, get a, a victory or two as we round out 
round one, it feels like it started a long time ago. Now we're at the Sunday start, I round know. one over three days. Yeah, exactly right. Mate, you uh, continue that great work. As I said, uh, there's not enough hours in the day to do what you do, but we'll chat again tomorrow. Brett Phillips, our expert here at SEN on the tennis and all things Australian Open. It is wild card round in the NFL, and Phil Murphy is going to take us through all the NFL action. Phil, a very good morning to you. G'day. Uh, good morning to Philip Murphy. Uh, it, it, it couldn't have been produced any better. But, yeah, it's, it's super wild card weekend. We got the, the crescendo with the doubleheader today starting in minutes. Well, exactly right. This this one that the kick us off today, I mean, we, we've had Buffalo under a hell of a lot of snow. What, what's it looking like now for for, for the Bills ready to, uh, to, to take to the field? Well, I'm just thanking the heavens that I'm in Tampa, Florida. That was my assignment where, you know, it's a beautiful <laughs> 20 degrees today. Um, Buffalo, I mean, it's still going to be chilly and, and nasty. I mean, that's that Lake Erie effect that you get with them. But it was objectively unsafe to play this game yesterday with the snow and the wind. And it wasn't so much concern for the players on the field. It was more um, the you know infrastructure in and around Buffalo to make the streets safe. And, and would it have been socially responsible to spend those resources clearing a stadium to, uh, to accommodate 60,000 fans or so who are going to be there and be raucous and partisan for their bills? Uh, But now we get a game, and um, the weather will play less of a factor. And candidly, I think that does favor the home team. I think had it been one of these snowy, nasty games, the Steelers, who are less prolific in terms of passing the ball, um, they they would have been fine if it was a running back type game. It was difficult to move the ball through the air. Now that the weather is a little bit more manageable, I think it it plays in the hometown Bills' favor. But we learned yesterday, I mean, you can't assume anything in this wild card round of the playoffs as much as, Guys like myself will sit down and break down and analyze tape. There's a very human element to all this when the pressure of, of playoff NFL football hits these guys, and, and it, it, it introduces a level of volatility that makes these games objectively interesting to watch. Oh, well, Phil, I'm glad you went down that path because I was looking at the results, and, and it seems like, I mean, the home side has been, well, they've been getting up in, in all but – well, but one from what I can tell, uh, Texas, they got through the Chiefs at home. Uh, obviously, Detroit. Now, Detroit and L.A., like th- that was a hell of a game, 24-23. And we, we, we love Dan the man in charge of the Lions. Yeah, Dan Campbell. And, I mean, it's funny. He when, when he took over this program a few years ago, he was a punchline in American media just because of so many of these weird idioms that he was introducing and I mean, you walk into his office, it doesn't say head coach or, or anything of that nature. It says the dude. And so, you know, I mean, it's maybe a little earnest for guys like me in suits. But I tell you that these players bought in. And, and now videos are emerging from that first training camp where he's just saying, please, guys, trust me. Trust what I'm doing. I'm building something here. Here's what I need from you on offense. Here's what I need from you on defense. Just trust me and I'll get, get, it, get us where you want to go. And it brings a tear to your eye now because this Lions team has been, I mean, they've been the touchstone of misery in the NFL. You went back 60-odd years. They had won one playoff game. So much was made of the fact that they broke a 32, 33-year yeah. playoff win drought yesterday. That, that's true. But they had a 30-odd-year playoff drought prior to that one singular win. So this is a team that has been starved for playoff success and a franchise in a city that's been starved for playoff success. It was deafening at Ford Field, and that came across in the broadcast. And the great thing for them is not only do they get a win, but because of Dallas's upset loss yesterday, now Detroit gets another home game in the next round of the playoffs, and they'll play today's winner, Eagles or Bucks. We'll learn uh, a little bit later today on ESPN who that's going to be. Yeah, outstanding stuff. Uh, you, see, you said an upset, Dallas. They were the ones uh, at home uh, that uh, got that loss. Is it an upset? I mean, Dallas's playoff record has been terrible. Yeah, I mean, it has to be at some point, right? Because you look at the playoff record, it goes back so far yeah. that, that they've had this playoff disappointment. And it's not the logo that's cursed. I mean, these are different guys, different coaches. The only thing that's the same is Jerry Jones. And he's, you know, as, as enigmatic as he is and as boisterous as he is, I mean, he's pouring money into this program. So I don't know if you can necessarily fault him. They should have won this game. This is a team that was unbeaten at home. Uh, throughout the regular season, they're not just unbeaten, but overwhelming of all sorts of opponents. They, they dominated everybody, and then they just looked shell-shocked in the first two quarters. You look up at the scoreboard, a big scoreboard, the biggest one we have in American football, and they're down 27-0. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's all but done. Credit Dallas for showing, showing some character in the second half and fighting back. Too little, too late. But I think that's what's going to disappoint Cowboys fans most 
that had they shown up and had a little bit more punch and a little bit more tactical precision in the opening, I don't know, quarter and a half, that might have been a different result. But credit Jordan Love. I mean, the Packers QB lineage is really second to none in the NFL. They go from Brett Favre for 15 seasons to Aaron Rodgers for 15 more. How is Jordan Love going to carry the mantle? Well, I tell you, he entered the playoffs with 18 touchdowns and one interception in his final eight games and a 6-2 and two record to get Green Bay to the playoffs. Now he's the toast of the town, and, and I think all of Green Bay, including that roster, which is the youngest in the NFL, is playing with house money. They go to San Francisco next week, a game that everybody expects them to lose, but they're going to look at each other in that huddle and, and say, hey, guys, this is where we were last week. Let's go get one. It's, it's going to be a very intriguing game to uh, one of, quietly one of the hotter teams in the NFL that is getting hot at the perfect time. Yeah, nice one. We always love an underdog story, especially here in Queensland. All right, let's round it off to where you are. Um, Tampa, Philly and Tampa Bay. And my wife is keen on this one because she she introduced me to the Kelsey doco to, about Jason. Not so much Travis. We know about him. But the, the, the Kelsey documentary was outstanding. And now Philly is her team. So she's really keen on what the Eagles can do in Tampa Bay. Well, and I know down in uh, New South Wales, Jordan Mailata is a native yeah. son, and they have Aaron Sipos, who's uh, started the season as their punter, is is another Aussie. So a lot of lot of partisan interest there. Philly's a weird one, man. They they started ten and one, and they looked like they were they were headed toward another Super Bowl berth, and mm. then they just hit the skids at the worst possible time. They've lost five of six heading into these playoffs, and there is you know we we've already seen upsets on Super Wild Card Weekend. I think this is the one that. Although the punters may have said it was an upset if Tampa were to get a win, a lot of people just looking at the trajectory of these teams said, you know, Tampa's at home. Uh, they should have an edge. Weirdly, Tampa is a very average home team in the playoffs, 5-5 five and five at Raymond James Stadium all time. That's fourth worst in the NFL amongst home records. Um, so a lot of intrigue here. Which version of Jalen Hurts do we get? Tampa loves to blitz the opposing quarterback. Hurts has really struggled when teams bring that extra pass rush. So uh, no matter what your level of fluency is with American football, if it is Kelsey brothers, if it is, how is Philly going to protect against extra pressure or anything in between? This game offers a lot of intrigue. I'll, I'll be standing on the sidelines. I have no grasp on how this is going to go. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to look as, look as surprised as anybody with how this goes. Outstanding stuff. I'm seeing some live pictures uh, coming in from Buffalo. Uh, they may have cleared the snow from the field, but I'm looking at people trying to clear snow, and I'm talking, oh, that looks like it's up to their knees getting into the seats. Into oh, no, the no, it's, it's legitimate. It's, I mean, they, they got – they got close to, I think, like 90 centimeters of snowfall Whoa. yesterday. And they, they hired local uh, residents. They paid them $20 an hour to just go in the stands and shovel out snow all weekend. The storm hit Saturday. It's, it's Monday here locally in the U.S. Yeah. The storm hit Saturday. So they've been they've spent about 45, 48 hours trying to clear snow. And you see it's still knee-deep. I mean, it's, it's serious snowfall there. They're, they're accustomed to it. But, yeah, it's going to be an uncomfortable viewing experience. And I, I know the home fans hope they – at least have something for which to cheer uh, at a game that kicks off in, a, gosh, 15 minutes or so. Exactly. Mate, well, we'll keep all, all our listeners abreast of that and you enjoy the tropics down there in uh, in Tampa. Phil, really <laughs> appreciate your time. Uh, Phil Murphy from ESPN in the States. It's coming up to 20 minutes past seven here on SENQ, your new home of sport here in Queensland, 6.93am here in Brizzy uh, or 16.20am on the Gold Coast, but that's if you're on the air. But if you're online, you're streaming on the app, wherever you are, and the worldwide, uh, this great uh, planet of ours. We'll bring it to you on the worldwide web. We're going to take a quick break. Back with more of your texts, your calls, your thoughts. Uh, keep an eye on the scores in the NFL and New Year's resolutions when it comes to your footy team. All coming up in a jam-packed hour. Uh, I'm going to bring in Scott Sattler now, a man who has cracked the code for an NRL premiership. What do the Queensland teams need to do this year to crack that code? Their New Year's resolutions, what would they be? Actually, Sats, let's start, though with cold. What's the coldest game you've played? I mean, are you part of the Tigers and Canberra playing in snow a few years ago? No, I remember that one. That was famous, wasn't it, Benny? Yeah. Um, g'day to you and um, also all the listeners. Happy New Year. I um, The coldest of is, is it Canberra, I've got to say. Um, it's, it's a toss-up between Canberra when we went out to warm up and it was cold and then we went back into the dressing sheds for the final preparations and ran out and it was snowing and that was an experience. <laughs> but then... We played a trial against the Warriors in 2003. It was the last trial. As you know, Benny, that's usually like the fully-fledged trial. All the you know, the first graders are playing. And 
We played the Warriors. We'd played in the grand final the year before. We played them in a place called Invercargill, which is right down the south of the South Island. And um, we got off the plane and the rain was going sideways. And it was end of February. So it's still sort of, yeah, summer. And it was, it had to be, had to be a maximum of two degrees. It was absolutely freezing. And um, yeah, that was an experience that was. You wouldn't be able to feel your fingers at all trying to catch the ball. Uh, trying to catch the ball, trying to hold onto the ball. I'm sure that's the New Year's resolution for many of the teams going around the NRL at the moment. But that's what I'm asking those this morning. Your team, what is your New Year's resolution? Sats, this is what I want to pick your brain. What should each team yep. in Queensland, the four teams, be looking out for? What should their New Year's resolution be? Uh, let's Well, let's start with the Broncos, those who made a grand final last year. Well, I think their New Year's resolution is to to probably be able to manage Adam Reynolds and his and his workload because you know he's not getting any younger and his those hamstrings and lower back has been a concern for him the last sort of three three years of his career. So, um, but they've got to, I think in the, in the first sort of five or six weeks they've got to prove to people that 2023 their resolution would be to prove to people in 2023 wasn't a wasn't a flash in the pan and they had a definite a definite grand final. Um, another grand final uh, chance. So um, I think without a doubt that would be one of their New Year's resolutions. I think one of their New Year's resolutions also would be that young Blake Moser will play a lot more first grade and, and be sort of the next plan B when Billy Walters, if he ever gets injured or whatever happens to him. So I think that'd be a New Year's resolution for them, for them as well. And... Even though they've lost Tommy Flegger, one of their news resolutions would be that his replacement, Fletcher Baker, will be hopefully one of the signings of the season. There we go. We've got a few unknowns there in Blake Moser and I'll tell you uh, another Fletcher one also, yeah. Benny. Yeah. I suppose the one the, the news resolution would be the move of Selwyn Cobbo to centre. Yeah. That's a that's a success. So, and I think it will be actually. I think I think Senate, I think he could he's built like Latrell. A lot of people say he's He's very GI-like. I think he's a completely different-looking athlete to GI. I think he's more a Latrell, that real top-heavy sort of player, and um, doesn't look like he's moving that quick, but he is. Um, and I think I think centre's going to be his position. Well, that's what I kicked off this morning with Sat, saying centre of attention has got to be for pretty much all Queensland teams. Cobbo moving at the Broncos, Herbie Farmworth yep. at Redcliffe, and AJ Brimson at the Titans are the main ones, and also getting that strike power back up in North Queensland uh, as well. L- let's head to Redcliffe, from Red Hill to Redcliffe. Um, the Dolphins, what, what should be the top of their New Year's resolutions? I, think if, I don't think they have one. That's the way Wayne works. There's no resolution. <laughs> should, should they, though? You know, we're, yeah, we're second year in our comp where no one's expecting us to win anything. Uh, we've made some really good signings, and Avarillo is the one that's really flown under the radar when yeah. you've got Farmworth and Flegler. Then you've got Avarillo as well. I, I just think, you know, they've just got to keep on keeping on. They've just got to just keep proving to people that they deserve to be there like they did last year. And, um, yeah, Wayne. Wayne wouldn't put in put too many lists together. It's Wayne's one of those guys that's day by day and um, just keeps it keeps it as simple as possible. But, but I suppose um, if you had to if you had to break it down, it's their news resolution is young Isaiah Katoa. You know, can he go to the next level? Can he can he go from um, like teenage prodigy to now a player that that can really can really be a strike force in the in the NRL? So. He's really important to to the Dolphins. They seem to be filling every little box at the moment. You know, they've got a, a top-line front rower. Um, they've got good experience. Um, they've got a good hooker in Jeremy Marshall King. They've got strike in the centres. Mm. They've good wingers, point-scoring wingers. They've got one of the most exciting fullbacks in the competition. So they've sort of ticked most of the boxes now. And um, now it's about who's going to be that guy that wears six or seven that can control the side. So... For me, the resolution is Isaiah Katoa goes to the next level. Nice one, yeah. He'll be better for having that NRL year under his belt from teenage tearaway to uh, actually betting down to be uh, week in, week out, top of the pops when it comes to uh, NRL halves. James has sent this text in. He said, for the Dolphins, how about keeping the same 17 on the field week in and week out? Or maybe just keeping Felice Cafusi on the field week in, week out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you got to – yeah, you you don't mind having those – you know, those scud missiles in your side that are willing to... Everyone's got to have one of those lunatics in the side, you know, that just sort of flirts with the hearse a little bit. And 
That's what Felice does. Um, flirts he, with the hearse? I love that. I've yeah. never heard that before, that's my, Sats. I that's love my that. mother-in-law's favourite saying, flirt with the hearse. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, you've got to have those guys. You've got to have them looking out of the corner of your eye every time. 13-13-55, the Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line, New Year's resolutions for your footy team. Remember, we've got the Odyssey Golf Pack to give away to the caller of the day. Uh, what about in your part of the world, the, the Titans? Can League's mad scientist, uh, Desi Hasler, can, can he finally crack the code and find AJ Brimson's sweet spot, his centre it? Well, it's unfortunate for AJ because he's one of the most exciting, I suppose, freestyle running fullbacks in the comp. But because he's so flexible and he can play in any position, he's unfortunately the one that says, you know, well, you'll probably suit centre more than Jaden Campbell or Keanu Kinney will. Mm. So, but again, like Selwyn, completely different athlete, I think, I think he could play origin at centre. I, I, he's just a, an amazing athlete. It doesn't matter where you put him, he'll, he'll find success. I, I think it's going to be a really good move for the top. And it's a move they needed to make, I think. They needed a strike centre. And... Um, and I think he could be that with Keanu Kenny and uh, and young Jaden Campbell at fullback fighting at the number one jersey. So, you know, the New Year's resolution for them is they've just got to make finals. You know, they're sick and tired of, and everyone on the Gold Coast is sick and tired of, doesn't matter what sport it is, of, you know, why can't Gold Coast teams find constant success? So, but I think, yeah, the missing link for them was, was Desi Hasler. He'll be able to make them a, a psychologically tough side, a mentally tough side that can get to that back half of the second half and realise that they're they're good enough to win games and really have to roll up their sleeves. So the news resolution for the Gold Coast Titans is you just gotta make it work. You just gotta you just gotta make it work. So um and the move from AJ from fullback to centre that that's a success. they they'll be sitting there crossing their fingers hoping that that's gonna be one that's not going to give them too many headaches. Well, it was interesting to hear Kieran Foran's comments too on Keenan Palacia, who's travelled down the M1 from Red Hill to the Titans, and he just said he has been a standout. He didn't want to single anyone out at pre-season training, but all of a sudden he just dropped the name of Keenan Palacia. So it's uh, interesting to see how he will go and whether, you know, Kieran uses him uh, and his strength punching through the middle or on the edge. It depends on where they're going to play him um, and, and how that can affect the Titans pack. Let's head north, Sats. Um, you talked about being mentally tough for the Titans. I mean, that's that was the Cowboys' trait two seasons ago. Last mm. season, um, they just cracked and kept cracking under pressure, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And I suppose their news resolution is that the physiotherapy room is empty. Yeah. Um, because uh, yeah, a lot of lot of surgeries, a lot of um, a lot of injuries to the Cowboys last year. So they never were able to get really consistency with their side, and that happens a lot through the season to everyone, but. With them, I thought it was more so with, with the Cowboys. Then you throw Origin in when you get players getting taken out of the team for the Origin when you're not travelling that well, and then you have to dig into your reserves even further. But yeah, for them, it's their New Year's resolution is the physio is probably the uh, not the busiest man in, in the game. So, uh, But I've got to say, Tommy Dearden, on the back of re-signing with the Cows and future mm. captain of the Cowboys, without a doubt, I, I, just, think, I just think this kid... Is going to be something even more special this year. He's always been special up until now, and um, but we're going to see something completely different if they make the finals. It's just, you know, they'll be one of the Smokies. I think them, the Titans, and the Manly with Manly soul will be the Smokies this year with finals. Uh, it'll be on the back of Tommy Dearden. You know, I think going close to winning a Dally M. There we go, Dally M. Sats, always good to pick your brain. I have put these down. Well, you might do a, a halfway or a halfway of the season uh, uh, recap just to see how these New Year's resolutions are travelling along. They're not predictions. They're just resolutions and what they should be doing. Sats, we cannot wait to hear you back on Sports Day. Thank you for the chat this morning. Scott Sattler, part of the SEN family, and, of course, a man who's cracked the code before when it comes to winning premierships. Uh, the number one team in Big Bash this year, uh, the Brisbane Heat, they've lost just once, yeah, top of the ladder, one win away from hosting a grand final, yet it seems that most of the experts aren't giving them much of a chance. What? Why? Uh, tonight, they find out who will they be playing in Friday's final at Carrara when the Sixers and Scorchers go to work. Uh, but on the line now is a man who's taken eight wickets for the season. His best was, well, three for 23 against the Stars, but never once has he gone for more than 30 this summer. I speak of none other than the heat spinner, Mitch Swepson. Swepo, very good morning to you, mate. 
Morning, Betty. How are you? Uh, mate, very well. I, I did promise my daughter this. The first thing I'd say to you is she wanted to say thank you to you for helping save her super coach team. So good of your figures and returns <laughs> being this year. So from Mackenzie, she thanks you. <laughs> Oh, glad to help out there. Always glad to help out with Supercoach. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, if you're doing well there, you're doing well for your team. So it's a it's been a it's been a good ride for the Heat this year. Yeah, it has, mate. And um, yeah, I'd say I'd say really all of our bowlers have had sort of some success this year. It's been um, it's been a real team effort, uh, and you you obviously don't finish top of the table at the end of ten games without um, everyone chipping in and everyone doing well. So um, we've had the luxury of you know, plenty of guys having player of the match performances and um, guys chipping in here and there. So um, that's that's obviously why we, we've had success and we've, we've been able to rely on heaps of guys during the year. So it's been great. Oh, man, saying that, you, you've got three of your bowlers in the top 10 wicket takers in the comp. You've got the first, X, Xavier Bartlett, 16 wickets. Tall Paul, he's tied for second with 13. And, and uh, Spence, he's in eighth with 10 wickets. So, yeah, the bowling unit has been doing a job. Yeah, it really has, and um, yeah, I think you know those guys. Big X, really happy for him. He's he's um, sort of had a breakout year, I guess. He's been always sort of on the um, potentials list, and this year he's really shown his skill and he's bowled really hard overs. So for him to be up the top of that list is massive for him. And we all know what Spence can do. He's um, you know last year showed his class, and he's just doing it again this year. And, and Tall Paul, I think, has been the the signing of the year, really, for, for all teams. I think he's been um, the absolute find of the Big Bash. So, um, yeah, it's been, like I said before, an absolute um, you know unit that's getting us here to, to this point. So um, hopefully it's uh, going to continue. Swepper, I'm amazed, and I know you would have been watching Channel 7's coverage last night of the uh, Hurricanes and Stars, and afterwards when the Hurricanes won, they got Matty Wade up and said, congratulations, you're not making finals, but you had a good win tonight. Uh, when it comes to finals, uh, where do you see it going? And, and and Matty Wade said, oh, I reckon it'll be one of the you know, the top teams. I reckon it'll be the Scorchers or Sixers. I went, hang, hang on, <laughs> hang on, top teams. <laughs> There's a team that's been top of the ladder the entire season. They've only <laughs> lost once. and But, but Swepo, I mean, if, when you're hearing comments like that, how does it, one, make you feel? And is it not a bad thing to be going under? Well, how can you be going under the radar when you're top of the ladder hosting a final? But is, 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 that, is that not a, the worst thing in the world? Yeah, I'd say that's perfect. It's right where we want them, mate, to be honest. <laughs> um, if people are saying that about us, then that's that's great because, um, yeah, if we if, if somehow we're still the underdogs, I, I, I think as Queenslanders, we love that tag. So um, I, I'm not sure how we're underdogs when we've we've only lost one game this year. But, um, yeah, look, we'll take that that tag for sure. I think, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's no secret the Scorchers and Sixers, both those franchises have been unbelievable for the last, well, since the Big Bash started, so I can understand people making those comments. But, um, yeah, I think for us, we'll just continue to do what we've done all season. And if we if we can do that in two more games, um, yeah. I think we'll be carrying the trophy. So, um, yeah, it, like I said, we'll take the underdog tag. It's, um, it's, a, it's a good thing as a Queenslander to have an underdog tag, that's for sure. Swepper, I'm going to put a couple of things to you, though, and this is probably be where the, the comments or the thoughts are coming from. Um, even though you made the final last year, it was a, a, a death run where you had to win every game, and you kept winning, which was fantastic. But the Heat in the past has been known to, well, how do I put this plot? You, you can take the gas. The, the, the team, the franchise, you start strong but then fall off, or, or the games that – have mattered, haven't you haven't been able to get across the line. That's changed this year. But do you think a reputation mm. that haven't been able to get those close ones done, is that following you? Is that one of the reasons why you think that the, that underdog tag is still being uh, sought out? Oh, look, potentially. I, I've played for – this is my ninth year with the Brisbane Heat, so I've, I've, been, I've been all through that, um, the, you know, the um, – what people calling it the gas truck that we were backing up for for a few years there, and um, you know pe- people saying that we couldn't clinch games and get get wins done, and um, I, the, the vibe in this year's team, and even even towards the back end of last year, is completely different, um, and it's something that I haven't seen in all, the nine years I've been part of this franchise. So, um, you know, if, if people are more than welcome to give us that tag and say that it's the same old heat, but. 
I know from the inside, it's it's definitely not. Um, this is a completely new team, a, a team that's hungry, a team that wants to go one better than we did last year, um, a team that's been in the finals now and experienced that loss right at the right at the end. Um, and I can tell you right now, we're 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 all on that path to try and to try and do one better this year, and it's it's a completely different feel. So I'm confident we if we get to that final, we won't make the same mistake again. Yeah, Mitch Swifson from inside the heat bunker giving us the inside word from the inner sanctum heading into Friday's final. We find out tonight whether it's going to be the Scorchers uh, or the Sixers, teams that you've both already beaten this year, Swepo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're both, like I said just before, they're both great franchises, great teams. They've played finals for many of the seasons of the Big Bash and they'll they'll be tough opponents, no doubt. Um but yeah, we're we're uh, we'll watch on tonight with um, interest and and see who we get. We're no real preferences there. I think I think like like I said, we've beaten them both. Um, so it's it's obviously we're going to have to beat the best teams from the net for the next two games to win. So um, we're not we're not really too concerned with who we play. We just um, want to get out there on the Goldie and and put on a good show. Coming to the Gabba is such a hard task for any other team, and you guys love playing there. You know the conditions so well. It's going to be a Carrara from here on in. We know that Gab is getting ready for a test match. Um, and maybe that's another reason why uh, they're underestimating you. What, is, what does Carrara hold for you and what are you expecting Friday night pitch-wise? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we, we obviously haven't, um, haven't been near the Gold Coast this year at all, so we, we don't know, um, you know what, what that wicket's like, um, what sort of condition it's in, but... Um, all we can sort of draw on is from you know our previous seasons that we've played there. We've we played a fair few games there over the last four years. So um, yeah, I mean it, it's it's generally been I think earlier days uh, back in sort of 2018, 19 it was it was a bit of a tough wicket. I think the last couple of years that um, they got it up, it was it was a lot sort of better for batting. The scores were a bit higher, so um, we'll obviously have to adjust and weigh up what we get when we get up there, but uh, get down there. Sorry, but um, yeah, it's it's um, I guess a little bit of a lottery um, since we haven't played there this year, but we we know that the way we're playing, um, if we roll that out on any wicket, um, that's sort of been our mantra is that we can adapt to sort of any conditions, and we're looking forward to getting um, up to uh, down to the Gold Coast and putting on a show. Yeah, Canberra, Coffs Harbour, uh, Marvel Stadium, you've won there. Uh, not over in Optus, but that's okay. So, yeah, any any conditions. It's not just the Gabba where you're winning. You are able to uh, to win on the road as well. Now, now, mate, speaking of roads, country roads, that's your song in the at the Gabba. We also know it's Charlie Cameron's song as well. <laughs> is is country roads your theme song going to be following you down the M1? Are you, are you going to be rolling that out at uh, Heritage Bank Stadium? Yeah, that's a good. That's a, actually a good question. I'm not. I'm not too sure. You have to ask the the heat crew um, that do up the sort of game day stuff there. Um, I absolutely love the vibe that that Charlie Cameron brings to the Gabba um, and, and how the crowd get, gets around that country roads there um, for a Lions game. And I thought it would be a cro- an absolute shame if the country roads didn't stay at the Gabba for summer and keep the crowd going um, over the summer. So. Um, whether they want to take that on the road down to the Gold Coast is up to them. Um, happy for it to happen. The the crowd got around it the other night. So, mm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Mate, take it. Put on your Spotify or Spotify, Spotify or Apple playlist. Make sure it's just playing there as you, as you uh, get the, the ball thrown to you by. Actually, who is going to be your captain now that Colin has gone? I know, I know Nathan McSweeney was the captain in... In Perth, is is he going to keep the the captain's armband on for the finals? Yeah, look, I think so. I think um, yeah, Buddha's obviously um, he's been well. He, he was appointed last game. How, uh, did you say Buddha? Buddha, yeah. Nathan McSweeney, Buddha. All right, you know, yeah, I'm made of yeah. questions now. <laughs> why, why Buddha? <laughs> I'm. I, you'll have to ask him, but I, I'm hearing it's a nickname from high school, so. Um, but it, it's yeah, it's one that one that the boys call in the lot. So see, I'm um, picturing Chris Handy and Chris Handy and Nathan McSweeney are worlds <laughs> apart, right? <laughs> anyway, yeah, I won't, sorry, I won't throw him under the bus completely there because I'm not 100 percent sure. But yeah, that's, uh, high school name is what I'm being told. So all right, um, but yeah, he's uh, he was he had the luxury last game. Um, we still had Sam Billings and and Colin Mumro with us yeah. on on tour and. 
so he was sort of, I guess, um, you know, got to run the show with them on the sidelines, helping him out. Um, Jimmy Pearson's there as well. He shows a lot of experience. He's captain before. Um, and we've got senior guys that have played throughout the whole year that'll help him out. And I think, I think he'll do a good job. He did a great job last game, even though he didn't get the win, but he was, he's a very calm, um, collected sort of character. So, um, yeah, he'll do a great job, I think. And they've got some international spinners there as well, and yourself and, and Matty Kuhneman. Mate, before I let you go, we just mentioned Charlie Cameron. I know he's been in and around the, the, the team this year, and you've you've had a, a few others that have dropped into the team huddle, into the rooms before and after matches. Cam Smith being there. I, I, I don't know who got more out of it, whether he did being around the environment and hearing the stories that Buff had to tell. Uh, or you blokes having a, a British Open champion in your midst? Yeah, that was great um, getting Cam in. Um, and yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure who got more out of that. It, he seemed like an absolute ripper of a fella, very laid back. Um, yeah, it was great to have him on board. I know actually a couple of the boys ended up playing around a golf with him after the Coffs Harbour oh, game. Yeah, um, so I think Billings, uh, Renshaw, and, and McSweeney got to got to play around a golf. Um, at Royal Queensland with him. So that's a bucket list sort of thing there. I think he absolutely cleaned them up. Um, although um, Mick Sweeney said he, he shot par for the course, so that's not, not bad uh, to do in front of Cam Smith. So, yeah, the boys got lucky there, and um, he's a great – it's great to see all the fans that um, are supporting us, and, um, yeah, having a guy like Cam um, come in was great. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, Mitch, you've been very generous with your time, but it's been uh, fantastic watching the, the team in Teal this summer as well. And we wish you all the luck uh, heading into the final uh, Carrara. We find out whether it's the Sixers or the Scorchers tonight. You're playing Friday night down there. It's a bit of a later start, which is good. 6.40 uh, kick or kickoff or first bowl uh, being uh, being bowled. And, of course, you can catch all the SN, uh, action here on SENQ. Uh, go well, mate. Thank you for your time this morning. Thanks, Benny. Appreciate it, mate. All right. Um, he is the Leighton Hewitt clone from Alula Bar. I'm sure he loves that tag too, who grabbed the nation's attention over the weekend at the Australian Open. He won the first set of his Grand Slam debut. He pushed the world number 22, Francisco Serendolo, to uh, well, a player ranked that's more than 200 places higher than him. He pushed him to five sets. How good is this? And it comes after... Well, you can only describe it as a whirlwind 48 hours. He's won through to the Australian Open via qualifying, and then he had a practice hit up with the world number one. No, no Djokovic. He did just that. Uh, Dane Sweeney, a very good morning to you, mate. You must still be pinching yourself. Yeah, good morning to you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a surreal experience, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, where where do I even start? I mean, yeah, we'll get into playing uh, at the Australian Open in just a tick, but having a hit up and practicing with Novak, uh, I mean, that's that's bucket list stuff for anyone, let alone a professional player. Yeah, yeah, I was I was a bit scared, you know. I just wanted to make sure I, I give him a good enough hit. Um, but luckily, yeah, luckily I hit I hit well, and he he made me feel so so comfortable out there. He's yeah, he was an absolute legend. I've never never met him before, but. Contrary to how the media portrays him, sometimes he was uh, he was a super nice nice guy and, and really down to earth. Um, and yeah, it was it was an unbelievable experience to have the greatest of all time at the other end of the net. Oh, well, take us there. I mean, he you said he made you feel comfortable. What, what was it? What he did? Uh, how he acted? What was he saying? Uh, he was just really um, he was really like lighthearted and in a, in a joking excuse the pun joker kind of <laughs> mood. Um, yeah, he was he was just laughing and then saying I was hitting great and kind of joking around and kicking the ball like a soccer ball and yeah he was just in a in a nice playful mood which I I was a bit it was a, it was the day before he, he played his first round so I was a little bit scared that he was going to be serious Steve but he was uh, he made me feel right at home. Dane, Dane, how does that happen? How, how do they work out who, who's hitting up with who? I mean, do, do you put your hand up and say yeah I'd love to have a go with 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 Novak or no? Um, well, I think everyone wants to have a go with Novak. I was just lucky uh, he was. Um, someone from Tennis Australia asked me, they said, uh, Djokovic is looking for practice. And this was probably a couple of hours after I just won my last round qualifying. Um, and I already had a hit with fellow Aussie uh, organized Omar Jaseka who qualified that day. And I had to answer the Djokovic hit on the spot. And before asking Omar, I just said, yep, I'll take it. <laughs> take it with both hands. And I just left left Omar hitless. So sorry to Omar. But <laughs> he, said, he said, no worries. Yeah, you got you got to take that opportunity. So, 
yeah, I was just lucky enough just uh, there to get to get asked to hit hit with Jocko. Oh, man. Well, even then you could just walk away from Melbourne Park that weekend going, that was pretty cool. But qualifying for the Australian Open, that is more than cool. And with that, just for qualifying, $120,000 check for, for making the first round. How life – actually, not life-changing, how career-changing is that for you? Um, yeah, I mean – I think uh, I'm not going to be able to put too much of that in the bank. It's just going to put a lot of pressure off me financially. You know, I can I can look at the year ahead and, and not stress about um, needing to make money to t- kind of make ends meet and to keep my keep my uh, journey going. I can probably pay for the whole year now, um, and even that will probably include a coach for most of the year. So, yeah, I think it. Yeah, as long as, as much as I'd like it to maybe get me some nice things, it won't. But. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna make the journey this year at least uh, much less um, pressure filled for sure. Uh, and Dane, this is exactly why I wanted to have a chat to you. Not only you're in Queensland are doing great things on on the national stage or international stage at a Grand Slam, but I, I, I want I want you to take us on that journey of, of someone in your position, what twenty early twenties, twenty two years of age, Seneca, doing it. Well, 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 starting and building up your career, the things you've had to go through, you, you talk about this now sets up the year financially. So what's that look like? What does a year look like for you this year? But I guess let's start last year. What did it look like for you? And, and where did you have to travel and where did you have to play to get into a position to be asked to qualify for the Australian Open? Um, well, I've been probably I've been traveling the world since I was 12 years old, um, and I started playing professionally on uh, a few years ago. And uh, you know, in through that junior career, I was maybe traveling maybe 30 weeks of the year. But the last last few years, it's been about 40 weeks. And I think last year I had eight weeks at home. So it's it's extremely hectic. You go on week to week. You go on different city, different country. You're not in the same place for longer than a week, or very rarely you are. So you have to kind of – it forces you to be pretty independent and pretty um, well-organized, which I had to learn the hard way because I'm, I'm not not very organized naturally, as my mum would definitely say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's a, it's extremely hectic lifestyle, but um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world. It's, it's been super rewarding, and um, but it's definitely – I've had to learn to love it. I didn't – it's it's not, not – just because I love it doesn't mean I enjoy it all the time, but mm. – I think that's just life. I've had to really, yeah, learn to kind of enjoy, enjoy the downs somehow. And, um, and, uh, I think, yeah, as a tennis player, you know, you, you win and you feel great and you lose, you feel bad. So you just learn that, I don't know, everything's kind of temporary and you will kind of learn to take things as they come. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a busy, hectic lifestyle, but it's, it's very, very rewarding. Dane, so being on the road for 40 weeks of the year, I mean, you, you have to fund that yourself, don't you? Or, or do you have, sponsors that that help out and are you reliant on prize money to to keep this keep this career going yeah so i'm I'm fully reliant on prize money right now and there's there's not too much prize money at the challenger level it's um it's it's barely enough to kind of get you from place to place i'm just super lucky to be australian because i get to get wild cards even if i'm not ranked high enough into the australian open qualifying and that even if you lose first round you know you're getting 30 grand so that 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 goes a, that goes a bit of the way. So I think it's I'm super lucky to be Australian. Um, and I think yeah, if I if I wasn't, it it would be super hard. You know, if you're not from a Grand Slam nation, you're not getting that big lump sum throughout mm. the year. So it makes it extremely challenging for sure. Uh, Dane Sweeney, my guest uh, this morning uh, from the Sunshine Coast. We saw him make his first Grand Slam. It was at the Australian Open. Uh, and as I said, career-changing, life-changing. We're just hearing about that career. You, you, I just want to pick up on something you said before, Dane, about you can afford to have a coach with you. Your your dad, am I right in saying that your dad coaches you at the moment? Yeah, yeah, my dad coaches me, and um, I'm I'm lucky for that to happen because he do, he doesn't he doesn't want to take any money out of my pocket. I just pay his expenses, and he knows that um, at the ranking I am, it's it's tough to kind of make ends meet. So I'm just super fortunate to have him in my, in my corner, and he's made a lot of sacrifices, you know, stopping a lot of his work to be able to come and travel with me. And um, yeah, it's been great. It's been a bit bit challenging at times, you know, staying. I, I've probably lived out of home since I was 15, and then. I'm traveling with him. We're eating every meal together on the court, all like all day together, sleeping in the same hotel room. So it was a, it was a bit of an adaptive period. But um, um, I'm super fortunate to have yeah, my mom, uh, mom and and my dad really, really supportive of my career because 
yeah, as, as I said, I don't I don't have any sponsors. I'm I'm completely relying on prize money, so it's a big help to have my dad there, yeah, so supportive. Well, mate, I hope that changes after what you did at Melbourne Park uh, over the weekend, and I hope doing interviews like this, uh, those listening will, will pick up on this because, mate, you, you sound like you've been doing this for years. Your interviews, you you're just very level headed and uh, and uh, have got a well, got a good way and a good demeanour about you. What's this year hold, mate? What's next? What's the plan for twenty four? Um, well, the plan is I, I go back to the Challenger circuit. It, it sounds great that I, I qualified and took. A- Top, uh, nearly top 20 play to five sets, but it doesn't actually do a hell of a lot for my ranking. So oh, really? I have to do go back to the hard slog of the, of the challenger circuit and uh, and hopefully I can take this confidence with me and this, this level that I've found with me. And I uh, go to Bernie in uh, Tasmania for a couple of weeks and then I go off to India. And then um, from India, the schedule hasn't been released yet, but I assume I'll, I'll go to either Mexico or Korea from there. But yeah, it's, it's not released yet, but uh, I'll be doing... As last year, I'll be probably travelling for about 40 weeks of the year. So it's, it's another big year ahead, and um, I'm just going to have to get used to it because I hope to be playing tennis till I'm I'm 40. So, <laughs> See, yeah. mate, it sounds like a it sounds like a very good goal and a very good mission indeed. Quick one: if if anyone listening does want to invest in you, and that's what sponsors do, investing in you, um, how do they get in touch? Um, uh, have a my sister is actually um, helping out with that right now because it's been it's been pretty hectic since this uh, since qualifying with all like interviews and stuff. So she's been helping me out with that. So you can yeah re- reach me uh, via Instagram. I've got her. You can either send me a private message or or email her. It's on my it's on my bio on Instagram. Nice. Um, but yeah, uh, sponsors. Hopefully, I can get some. But if not, I'm 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 not I'm not too phased. I just want my results to yeah really do the talking and. You know, I've earned earned enough money now for this year, and I'm really, really looking forward to trying to put some more good results on the board and, and get that top hundred goal by the end of the year. Outstanding, mate. Well said. We wish you all the best, and uh, we will be following and your career and your trajectory along the way. Dane Sweeney, remember the name. He's a kid from Queensland, the sunny coast, and he is on that trajectory. Good luck, mate. We uh, we'll be following Dane Sweeney. How good is that? I mean, you just you, you hear you hear about. You hear about those places that he could be playing, Mexico, India, Korea. Rhett Phillips told us yesterday, the Challenger Series and the Challenger Circuit, that they play in places that we wouldn't even visit. And while Mexico and India sound great, the tourists, and even even Korea as a space, but they're not going to the tourist meccas. They're going to where the Challenger Series plays, and they do it tough. But, geez, it doesn't sound like it. Dane, he's just pumped, isn't he? And if you do sponsor and invest in a player like this, it'd be whatever sport, you do and can get a return on their prize money. That's that's about backing them and sponsoring them. That That's that's an agreement that you can work into. So for the up-and-comers, be it in golf, be it tennis, I know that is a path that well-trodden and well-worn. So uh, it is like an investment. Dane Sweeney, remember the name.